2: Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more.
3: Let's learn about all of it, and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff.
4: Grown Up Stuff. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying, and even deadly, is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by Nitsa and the Ad Council.
5: You're listening to Modern Rules, a production of MSNBC and iHeartRadio.
6: I really hope that we correct what is this aberration of income inequality that results in what I'll call dangerous leadership. Had the
7: white woman that that taped that not exposed it, we would have never actually even had the story where Howard Shelton had to go on air and talk about it. He was forced to do the right thing.
8: I can tell you, if God exists, I've said some very mean things to him over the years.
5: I'm Stephanie Rule, MSNBC anchor and NBC News correspondent, and this is Modern Rules. In this season of Modern Rules, I'm gonna be spending time unpacking the hairiest conversations, from privilege to political correctness, to try and figure out how we can navigate this changing world and breakthrough to actually talk with and learn from the people who disagree with us and maybe, just maybe, learn something along the way. Today's episode, Faith and Moral Leadership, with guests Scott Galloway, Rashad Robinson, and Sean Doherty. It's almost impossible to talk about moral leadership in America without talking about business. 21st century capitalism in America shapes so much of our conversation about the moral standards we hold different kinds of people to, whether they are CEOs or celebrities. At the end of the day, the rules of capitalism thus far, if you make the most amount of money for the company, for your shareholders, all that other stuff gets forgiven. Question today is, is it time to change that? Scott Galloway is an academic, an entrepreneur, and an all-around thoughtful human being. For all the excesses and absences of moral leadership we have seen, he sees what he calls a soft revolution on the horizon, at least in some areas, which is a sign of hope. Scott, when this country was founded— Yeah. Everybody walked into a room with different plans, and they walked out and said, okay, we're going to go at this together. Yeah, But they were all white guys, and they were all landowners.
6: The wonderful thing about capitalism is there's assumption, it assumes that a basic human attribute of our species is that we're going to affix our own oxygen mask before helping others. Self-interest is the most powerful motivating force in the world and it's the basis of capitalism but at the end of the day people the baker doesn't give the butcher bread for That person's well-being, but because they want meat in return It's a powerful engine, but also a key to capitalism is this notion of democracy and the rule of fair play The game might be tilted, but at least it's not rigged And I would argue over the last 30 years that the middle class has figured out slowly But surely corporations have become government The tax systems become rigged. We have this Hunger Games economy, and part of it is our fault, where we have this gross idolatry of billionaires, where once you become a billionaire, you become a celebrity and your taxes should go down. You should no longer be subject to the same scrutiny as everybody else. You should pay, you should be famous, you should be loved. If you're worth 60 billion or 50 billion, you go into the category I would describe as Jesus Christ, where everything you say is examined and prophetic. You can be a deadbeat dad, but because you started Apple, you're considered the Jesus Christ of our information age. You can be a broken sociopath who's a college dropout, whose first website evaluated women on their physical appearance, screwed over your best friends in college, and then royally fucked over your best friends soon after college, and yet this person is considered, again, this iconic hero. So this gross idolatry of youth and billionaires and technology A sense, a lack of control around regulating complexity has resulted in people who are, quite frankly, self-interested. Everybody at the end of the day is going to act in their self-interest, but we're supposed to have a group of thoughtful people to say, you know what, once you hit a million dollars a year, your taxes shouldn't go down.
5: Okay, but Scott, here's the thing. What you are asking for Is moral leadership. But are we being naive? It never existed. Let's say hard, but listen, there's a difference between a CEO who's got 200,000 employees like Jamie Dimon, who's got to run JP Morgan every day, and Ray Dalio, who runs a business with dozens of employees. But who's the person today that we can look to and say, well, you can be a business leader and a government leader and a moral leader?
6: So, I do think there are examples, but at the end of the day, their job is their jobs one and two and three is for shareholder return. That's their for profit entities in our economy are there to make profits. What we fail to do is regulate them and say, okay, Google, you've paid more fines than you've paid in taxes in Europe, so we need to look at a top line tax. Howard Schultz called for more equity in the tax structure. I would argue it's not only principled stand, but it's self-preservation because traditionally throughout history it's very clear when we get to the current levels of income inequality that we have the good news is they always self-correct income inequality self-corrects how that's the bad news the mechanisms of self-correction are either war famine or revolution and that is people get so fed up they turn to nationalism and they start demonizing immigrants or they turn to some sort of government overthrow through socialism, you end up with Chavez. So, billionaires calling for more regulation and higher taxes, quite frankly, I do think it's principled, but I also think it's self-preservation. At some point, when you look out your window and you see everyone with pitchforks, you realize, well, maybe it's time, you know, maybe it should be more than let them eat cake. I think we're at that point. The last time we had these levels of income inequality was in the 20s, right before the crash.
5: Then explain this. If income inequality is reaching crisis levels that could incent a revolution.
6: But I think we're undergoing what I would call sort of a soft revolution, and there's evidence of it everywhere. People frustrated that their wages haven't gone up, so they're very open or ripe to demonizing immigrants. It's their fault. They took my job. They want extreme reaction. But where I was headed with this is, I do think we're in the midst of a soft revolution. And that is people are so fed up. An economy and a society can't survive without a prospering middle class. And the middle class in America has either been sideways, most generously for the last 30 years, probably going down. And we're in the midst of a soft revolution and it manifests itself in different ways. There's calls for 70% taxes and the elimination of air transport and a billionaire super tax.
5: Look, we all make bad decisions sometimes. And sometimes we make those decisions because we think it's protecting the people we love the most. And in those cases, it's harder to characterize what's actually doing the right thing and what's doing the wrong thing.
6: I'll give you an example. If someone accused me of having an affair outside of a relationship and I didn't think anybody was going to find out, I would lie. I would go on TV and lie. I would try and protect my relationship and my family. I would lie. I'm not sure I would own it. I would rather preserve my family. I would, I, hands down, I would lie. But this notion of, yeah, what Jeff Bezos did, owning it, I think that is really impressive because I think a lot of people would decide, you know what, I'm gonna try and figure out a way to worm out of it. So yeah, I think lying makes
5: our life easier. Right? It, it, well, it's, we lie every
6: day. We protect people's feelings. Everybody yes, it lies. smooths
5: the edges. But in terms of we lie, one of the reasons we lie, or we're so desperate to protect our reputations, is about how we define what morality is.
6: The other thing, going back to this notion, I think we have to have more reverence for privacy. I don't think I think if you're running for president, okay, maybe your personal life should be on full display. Maybe not. It never used to be. It didn't until Gary Hart. Pre-Gary Hart, pri- these were considered private matters. Affairs and presidents were considered private matters. I still believe that your private life, for the majority of people, even they're famous, is really nobody's business. I would like to see a union of famous people all hold hands and say, you know what? None of your fucking business. What what happens if you don't like the way I behave on television, if you don't like the way I, I play sports, fine. But my personal life, you know, basketball players and football players happen to apologize for certain things or with political views. My viewpoint is, why Why are we in this industry? It feels like all of them should just say, I have no comment, it's none of your business. So look, I am an optimist. Or as I say, I hate my life less and less every day. I do think that hopefully some immunities are kicking in, and I really hope that we correct what is this aberration of income inequality that results in what I'll call dangerous leadership. So I am ultimately over the long-term optimistic, but th- that optimism can't translate to a certain amount of passive complacency. We absolutely, in my view, have to ensure that we restore moral leadership. I think we need to encourage people on both sides to stop attacking. We need to separate people from ideology. I go on Fox once a week just because I want to know those people, and I like them, and I think they're nice, and I want to understand them, and I want to create a Mm -hmm. dialogue. I want to play my part in that, and I think we have to um, also address these dangerous underlying technologies. To try and figure out a way to put each of us in a corner and start hating each other. I think it's really divisive. We've created business models and a for-profit incentive. Just as we created for-profit incentive in prisons that took us in bad place, we've created a for-profit incentive with our media that encourages you to pick a side and then figures out a way for you to start hating each other. I think it's really dangerous.
5: I know it's important to clean up bad behavior, but is the answer to love a little more?
6: That's a good place to end it.
2: What exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party?
3: All that plus so much more.
2: Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Grown Up Stuff.
4: Snakes. Zombies. Sharks. Heights. Speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
5: Welcome back to Modern Rules. When we're talking about moral leadership, I think we need to take a step back. It is worth realizing that we as individuals can be the ones leading the way. Finally, everyday people have a platform that can push CEOs to realize that doing the right thing is a smart business move. I bust on social media all the time, but you can actually make the case that social media has had a profound effect on weakening our institutions, whether that's government or business, by finally creating this unfiltered, totally open platform for public opinion of every single kind. But at the same time, there's something powerful about the way these institutions are now being held publicly accountable. As my next guest says, change is hard. Rashad Robinson runs the organization Color of Change. They employ all sorts of online resources and social media to specifically advocate for issues that affect African Americans and strengthen their political voice. Rashad has seen how having positive examples in the form of influential people and images in pop culture changes the way we see one another. People want to be sensitive. They want to care about others. There are instances where they don't realize it. How big of a deal was it? When the bathroom incident happened with Starbucks in Philadelphia, Howard Schultz went on television with Gail King. When she asked him, was this racial profiling? He said, yes, it was. But the fact that Starbucks was willing to acknowledge, yes, this was racial profiling, how big of a deal was that?
7: So, yeah, I think it was incredibly important. I talked to Howard um, a couple of times during the process. We spent a lot of time in Philadelphia electing a new district attorney there through our political action committee. And part of the reason why those guys were never charged with a crime was because there was a district attorney there that was accountable to black communities who had stopped charging for those type of things. So while they were arrested, they were never charged. So there's a whole set of sort of structural things at play and, you know, I do think it's important that they acknowledged that there was a problem there. I do think it's important that businesses sort of recognize. And then I think what's next is what do they then do about it? Mm -hmm. How do they then change the sort of rules of the road? There was a lot of attention placed on Starbucks and then almost less attention placed on the role of the police. The fact of the matter is, is the police chief came out right after that and said it was, um, you know, The police, the police did nothing wrong, but we're going to investigate, you know? And I'm like, well, how does that work? Like, why would you investigate if you say they did nothing wrong? Like, why not just say we're going to investigate? The other thing that I think is important, back to your point about activism, is that it was white people who took out their phones and taped that. They taped that because there's a new mental model that has been built by primarily young, black, young people of color, activists in communities around the country who have exposed policing. And there's been national stories that media has covered. And as a result, people were watching that and they had the thing that's been happening in their head to take out their phones and tape it. And had the white woman that that taped that not not done that and not exposed it, we would have never actually even had the story where Howard Shelton had to go on air and talk about it. And, you know, that was the last thing any CEO, and this is not about Howard, any CEO has to do. He had to do it because there was a new set of power, a new set of engagement that happened. He was forced to do the right thing. Change is hard. Nothing changes. Easy in this country. And so the kind of push to actually make things change and make things different is always going to be met with resistance. This is, though, why representation is so important Mm -hmm. and why representation up against those currents are so important. The introduction of black characters mm-hmm. on TV was met with opposition. The introduction of certain type of female representations was met with pushback and real opposition. Certainly I dealt with the the pushback against gay and lesbian representations when I was you know engaged in that work deeply and the emails and the phone calls we would we would see out there and the protest you know, it seems like a long time ago, but you know there was a whole lot of pushback when Glee went on the air and the representation of a gay high school kid, and there was a lot of conversation around that. So all of that is going to have push, but but part of that push is necessary because we've got to expose it. We if we don't actually have the conversations that people are having, and in a kind of free society, we don't elevate Mm -hmm. those voices, to challenge them and push back, then we pretend that things are in a place that they actually are not in.
5: Then how beneficial and how important has it been when you see star athletes come out and talk about mental illness or anxiety and depression, which flies directly in the face of those ultra macho personas. How big of a positive impact does that have? I
7: think it's incredible. Me too. I think, uh, remember when Magic Johnson came out as HIV positive and what Mm -hmm. that did for the conversation around a, a disease that people were afraid to talk about, mm-hmm. um, and, who, and
5: the characters that they believed it only inflicted.
7: Exactly. It
5: wasn't Magic Johnson. And
7: yes. So over and over again, the you know the power of influencers and celebrities. I oftentimes think about celebrities as like, you know, like what does it mean to have narrative infrastructure to reach more people, right? And also to reach kind of the subcultures of people, right? Like not everyone watches the same TV program or the same news program anymore, the same TV show. And so how do we think about the range of voices that can sort of help us Reach more people in new ways. Encourage people. We took Michael B. Jordan door knocking in Georgia for uh, the election, leading up to Georgia, and we surprised people at their doors. And the sort of reaction, <laughs> obviously, can you can door. imagine. Yeah, yeah, can that, knock that's, on my door. that's the reaction that I hear from a lot of. So, like, there were people mostly mad as we were leaving Georgia. Like, how dare you not? Bring him to my house, um, but all I mean, that- when I heard yes.
5: he went to people's doors o- and Oprah, Oprah I, know. I was ready to change a dress. I know people were like
7: moving to Atlanta. Um, I mean, can you imagine yes. your
5: doorbell rings and Oprah or Michael
7: B. Jordan are yeah. going? Hey. I was, I was like standing there with Mike when he was like doing it. I was like, this is crazy. But all that that to say, like that ability to reach people in that way and connect with people on the importance of their civic engagement, and right that works with some people and not with others. But celebrities using their voices in in authentic ways, I think, continues to have power. And I think that what we have to open up space for across the board is conversations that we have be previously been unwilling to have. And if celebrities and visible people can come out and say the things that need to be said or the kind of Everyday people are then compelled to talk about it in their homes and in their. Um- but don't we
5: have to find a way to have these conversations without the fear of shame, of being called ignorant or stupid or close minded or, or and because I worry that it causes. I, I look at the way sometimes I speak to my own parents. And if they voice a viewpoint that maybe they've seen on conservative media, I feel myself shut them down and make them feel terrible. And then they stop talking. And we're not having constructive conversations. And it's only driving us deeper into tribalism.
7: I think it's tricky. I think that people seeing change being modeled for them is important. And I think if someone is only watching conservative media or watching a lot of conservative media, them seeing forceful, strong opinions on the other side is actually important. And sometimes people may shut down in the moment, but have time to think about things later. I think about all the changes we have made on so many issues over time and the deep arguments that have happened in families around everything from women's equality to interracial friendships and relationships to LGBT equality. All of those things, I think those conversations have sometimes been tense and sometimes been challenging. I've watched the views on, you know, candidates in marijuana and drug use change, you know, in my life. I'm 40. so So like you have watched, you know, in front of my Eyes, these like ways in which people have been like, oh, whatever, no big deal. I mean, I'm not sure what people are going to think about extramarital relationships after this current president, uh, you know, leaves office and how people sort of will view those things. I also think that people appreciate authenticity. People appreciate folks
5: own your history,
7: own it. And I don't think. I think that some of the things that we have seen from that have gotten politicians into problems is it doesn't feel real. That they've waited till it got deeply exposed. They gave us half answers that didn't feel uh, real. I have no interest in ever running for office because I have like lived a life where one should not run for office. But, but I was joking. Me. But I was yes. joking with friends about it the other night. Like we should just do a dump of all your stuff <laughs> and then like see what happens. And then like maybe it'd be good uh, if right my there. friends are listening. <laughs> that's not. Of, uh, a request
5: <laughs> just hold on a second because we have so much more to get into we'll be back right after a quick break
2: hey everyone this is Molly and Matt and we're the hosts of grown up stuff how to adult a podcast from Ruby studio and iHeart podcasts
3: it's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting
2: Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more.
3: Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss.
7: Catch new episodes of
2: Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: Grown Up Stuff.
4: Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
3: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: Welcome back to Modern Rules. Of course, economic and political institutions are only part of the equation. Religious institutions are a seminal part of many American lives. My guest, my friend Sean Daugherty, is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse by a clergyman. He has wrestled with his beliefs, with the whole idea of faith in the wake of that abuse. I feel you are a soulful person. I feel... You're an optimistic person in spite of all of this. So I want to understand where it comes from at a time when so many people just see red.
8: I, I have many people of faith tell me that I am faithful. I've had the Bishop of Altoona Johnstown tell me that I believe in God. I'm just on leave right now. Can I say that I pray? Yeah. Do I say that Our Father and Hail Mary? No, I couldn't recite one right now. You would have to lead it. And if you let it, I could probably jump in. But I couldn't do it on my own right now. But they usually end in rage. I can tell you, if God exists, I've said some very mean things to him over the years.
5: How do you manage the rage?
8: I scream. Throughout the years, I managed it different ways. I self-medicated for a long time. Anything that would make me take me somewhere else, make me, you know, conveniently being in the bar and restaurant business my whole life, especially nightclubs and things, you know, cocaine is magical tool you feel euphoric you know and all of the alcohol everything you know it's magnificent until you get addicted to cocaine now you have two problems
5: but <laughs> they don't help you forgive they help you run
8: that was it i was a pro at running until i got married in 2004 i was a pro at running if if i wasn't married right now i'd probably be behind the wheel of a 18-wheeler truck or and on some cargo ship at sea running. Like, forget it. I'm going to just go for a while.
5: Are you
3: at peace?
8: No. Not even close. Are you angry? Yeah. I'm, I'm incredibly angry. This has gone on long enough. The, um,
5: what the, would make you not angry?
8: If the federal government and the state... Individual state governments brought this issue up immediately. And we have separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. Regardless of how much money they contribute to your campaign, we're supposed to be separated. We have official state investigations from across the board in Pennsylvania that every single diocese in Pennsylvania is doing this. And now 46 other state attorney generals are are inquiring, at least say that they are going to look into this. So,
1: but going
5: to look into this, if we were talking about dozens and dozens of men of teachers of welders over the last 50 years that were abusing boys, they'd all be in jail.
8: Are you kidding me? If this was a bike gang, if this was the hell's angels. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. But I alluded to it before campaign, power, connection, wealth. These reports said that these people manipulate. Why am I not upset at my parents now and the community now? Because they were groomed just like me. They were groomed before me. You have to groom them first in order to get them to hand you their children.
5: Well, they're the people you're supposed to trust and look up to in your community.
8: And we're finding out that you can't do that to everybody. So there have to be safeguards in place. And that is the role of our government, to protect, to protect and serve these citizens in their communities.
5: So here's what I've heard about faith and moral leadership. We're part of a culture that rewards self-interest, so we need to examine the roles we play and where we want to get to and start changing our behavior accordingly. If we want a different outcome, we need to tell a different story all along the way. Do I do things that make me the support character in my uh, family narrative? Because if I am, why on earth would I expect my daughter Want to be anything except the princess, or dare I say, the damsel in distress. The fact that we have a definition for what a leader looks like, that's what we need to change. And not just for people who are currently in the workforce, we have to change it for our kids. This has been our conversation on faith and moral leadership. Thanks for listening, bringing an open mind, and helping me create the modern rules. Want more of this conversation? Go deeper and read this week's modern rules feature. Only on nbcnews.com slash better. That's it for today's episode. I'm your host, Stephanie Rule. A very, very special thanks to the extraordinary people who made this happen. My producers, Julie Brown, Samantha Ulin, and Ann Barak Audio. Michael Biet for booking and wrangling the amazing guests who joined us. Julian Weller for editing, and Bill Plax, Michael Azar, and Jacopo Penzo for their recording expertise. Special thanks to Steve Licktide, Barbara Rabb, Jonathan Wald, Marie Dugo, Holly Traz, Nikki Etor, and Christina Everett. Our executive producers are Connell Byrne and Mangesh Hatigador. And of course, the men who brought us all together, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia, Bob Pittman, and chairman of NBC News, Andy Lack.
1: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever...
2: Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts.
3: It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting.
2: Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more.
3: Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff.
4: Grown Up Stuff. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless.